welcome to the Doc to Doc podcast. I'm Rob Hoyer, medical oncologist. And my name is Abbas Shafi, gastroenterologist. This is a podcast about lifestyle medicine, disease prevention, and longevity. This podcast is provided for informational purposes only. It is not medical advice. Please consult your physician for personalized therapy and advice. Our goal is to enable individuals to become CEO of their uh, health by managing their diet, exercise, sleep, and stress to prevent common disease. Hi, everyone. Welcome to today's show, where we're going to speak about stomach, otherwise known as gastric cancer. This may not be one of the diseases that you commonly think about um, in, in general or one that you may not hear about a whole lot, but gastric cancer, is, is, there's a couple of parts of it we're going to speak about today that are really pertinent to lifestyle medicine and how you can prevent it. I'll, I'll let Abbas kick it off with the, both the anatomy and definition of gastric cancer. Then we'll talk about the incidence and, uh, of this disease. Thank you, Robert. Uh, to understanding a disease is very uh, important to understand the anatomy uh, and, that, uh, and physiology of the organ that is involved. Stomach is a muscular hollow organ uh, in the GI tract, which is uh, uh, located uh, after esophagus uh, and above the small um, intestines. Its function is very important in digestion of uh, uh, the food. Um, it performs chemical and breakdown of the food um, by means of enzymes and hydrochloric acid. There is two sphincter in the above and below the stomach that prevent from uh, content of acid to reflux to esophagus or prematurely dump to the small intestine. The lower esophageal sphincter that uh, uh, prevent from acid reflux as well as pyloric channel which uh, controls the uh, uh, passage of the s- uh, food from the stomach to small intestine based on their acidity and the breakdown. The stomach cancer as well as um, uh, other cancers, they always start with, start with inflammation. When the lining of the stomach becomes inflamed, then subsequently the cells start changing, and those intestinal changes in the gastric lining um, called intestinal metaplasia, and they are the precursor for stomach cancer. The stomach cancer is mostly adenocarcinoma. However, there's other type of cancers such as lymphoma, sarcoma, um, carcinoid, uh, and rarely um, metastatic from other organs such as breast cancer can uh, occur in the lining of the stomach. So I'll just make a few comments about the incidence. Uh, and that, that means how frequently this condition, this condition occurs. So um, gastric cancer is about 1.5% of all new cancers diagnosed in the United States. And the average age when folks are diagnosed is about 68. And 6 out of 10 people diagnosed with this disease are over age 65. And uh, there's a slightly higher incidence in men, about 1 in 96 versus women, 1 in 152. And it's, it's really interesting when you look at the, uh, the history of gastric cancer. Back in the early 1900s, gastric cancer was actually the the number one cancer in the United States and probably had to do with the high intake of salty and processed food is what we think. Um, Today in in Asia, gastric cancer is the the third most common uh, cancer and the second most common cause of cancer death. 
and uh, the highest incidence rates are in Eastern Asia and other part in other parts of Asia. Um, and uh, we'll we'll talk a little bit about in a second about screening. We don't in the U.S. we don't tend to screen for gastric cancer, but in Asia they do. And I'll let Abbas uh, comment about that. And um, worldwide, it still is the fifth or sixth common cancer in in, in the world. The the prevalence in U.S. and Western countries has decreased possibly due to um, event of antibiotic and as well as hygiene. Uh, that's maybe the the issue. And however, in Asia and and Africa and other places, um, this is still a, a, a very common disease. And uh, they screen much much more frequently. And we'll get to that um, how to diagnose this uh, later on in our conversation. Uh, Abbas, can you tell us about H. pylori? And I've, I've always been fascinated by this bacteria. Can you t tell us a little bit about H. pylori, what it is? Commonly in the lining of the stomach due to um, high content of acid, not too many bacteria can can grow. However, this bacteria has um, developed a defense mechanism against acidity, has a filament around it, as well as uh, flagella, which is like a helicopter that burrows underneath the, the lining of the stomach, so prevent itself from acid uh, killing and then causes chronic inflammation. This bacteria is uh, very, very common throughout the world, particularly in Asia uh, and in Africa. Um, and uh, some of the uh, community is 90 to 100% of people, they have this uh, in Middle East uh, and uh, and Europe probably 80-85 percent uh, in the United States probably around 50-55 percent and it's based on ethnic background and is mostly oral fecal um, contamination and eating from the same uh, uh, pots and pans and the same environments you don't get disease acutely like any other bacteria this is a very slow repetitive chronic in, uh, in infection and due to chronic inflammation uh, initially can cause ulcerations and sometimes cause stomach bleeding um, or, or due to uh, bleeding and inflammation cause uh, blockage. In the long run, that could be a precursor to uh, the sloughing of the lining of the stomach and be a precursor for uh, stomach cancer. That's really interesting. I never thought of the, of the I never didn't know about that flagella with the little helicopter burrowing underneath the mucosa that's yeah that's uh, that's what they call a helicobacter is like that's what the word helicopter comes oh, from, okay. from as a helicopter so so that's this is a a very smart uh, bacteria that is has developed a, a, like a gel shape around it as well as that that causes um, burrowing and that this is uh, um, can survive the stomach uh, acid as low as ph of two and to survive and causes uh, once they start uh, uh, replicating then causes uh, inflammation and consequencing of the um, sloughing off called atrophic gastritis and consequently probably due to chronic inflammation uh, is uh, become a precancerous condition. So it's the high inflammatory environment that's associated with the, Correct. the cancer. Correct. And whether it be H. pylori or acid reflux or both. Are they are they add, are they additive? If there's more correct. more than one inflammatory condition, correct. Even you're taking um, some non-steroidal uh, anti-inflammatory like Motrin, aspirin, that can cause also um, damage to the lining of the stomach. 
um, the same thing as smoking and chronic, even regular alcohol use. So this combination of all of those things, which cause inflammation and then the consequence of chronic inflammation to the precancer stage, um, um, and uh, changing of the line in stomach, then consequently uh, to stomach cancer. Fascinating, and uh, so yeah, it's uh, so in the, in the United States. So since the advent of refrigeration, the incidence of gastric cancer has dropped dramatically. I mean, it's it's like to go from the most common to I think it's now like the greater than tenth. It's almost I think it might be even the twentieth most common cancer. It's it's a it's a, not a very common cancer, but it's one that um, it's one that is we'll talk about in a second here is uh it's pretty challenging to treat and i think it's a combination of um, number one is hygiene i think uh, since uh, world war ii they they you know to uh, develop the better you know hygiene for sewer system for the um, toilet as well as refrigeration um, better cooking methods as well as i believe associated with uh, uh, antibiotic because of um, as we are using that type for many other causes, um, then um, then was that this probably kills some of the bacteria. Um, I never forget that when I was uh, uh, in VA hospital in uh, in, in in Shreveport, uh, one my patient that had a chronic abdominal pain at that time was just the beginning of identifying of the uh, H. pylori treatments. Says, you know something, I've been suffering from my stomach ache for a long time. I had bad ear infection, and they put me on strong antibiotics. After that, not my ear got my stomach. I have not had that stomach problem. Then later on, it was always thinking, oh, maybe he had some H. pylori, and that gave me long treatment antibiotic, and he 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 got better. So so if you look at the history, in in 1930s and 40s, Pepto-Bismol, which is, has some antibacterial effect, there was treating stomach ulcer or inflammation of that. Then went to the different type of medicine and diet, and then since nine, late 1980s and 90s, then by uh, finding the H. pylori, then we start treating the, just like an infection um, and with multiple antibiotics, which is very difficult to 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 eradicate this bacteria. So is, you cannot use one antibiotic. Sometimes you have to use two, three, um, and different modality to 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 eradicate this. But uh, how are this uh, maybe the, um, associated with the decreased incidence of uh, uh, stomach cancer? So in a way, our, um, it really wasn't done as much on an individual level, but more of a societal level that we applied a lifestyle medicine change. Correct. And that allowed us to greatly decrease the, the, the stomach cancer. Stomach yeah. cancer. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's a, you know, um, I got some training in, uh, in China as well as in a bit in Japan. And when you go there, um, the incident is so high that... Uh, they don't even do stomach biopsy because they cannot do scope everybody. So they follow the blood serology and and if we start, they're, they're using different uh, um, method than, than we use here. So as soon as that peaks, they know it got reinfected and they treat uh, um, aggressively the, the, the H. pylori. So so I think the the environmental uh, uh, was that. Uh, Eating place hygiene as well as the H. pylori the, that can be uh, contributed to the precancerous stage. So I think uh, the diet as well as uh, 
the hygiene and all things that uh, that I think is by itself is maybe one, but I think it has other uh, uh, cofactors to do, to cause the the the, the chronic uh, inflammation and, and and atrophic gastritis, which is sort of burning out the lining stomach and then becomes pretty cancerous. So if someone has symptoms of say upset stomach, nausea, belching, maybe it's appropriate to get screened for this. But H. Pylori, what, right. what if someone has no symptoms? Should they get screened for it? Well, in in Asia, because this is such a, a, a common uh, prevalence of cancer, they get as we do colonoscopy of colon cancer in the West. They do routinely they, when they go to the their doctor's office and. Every six months, and as the age progresses, uh, six months, but sometimes even every two years and younger age, and they do um, either um, the blood test or now we have a, a stool test, or they do um, what's that conscious a small um, uh, endoscopy through a nasogastric uh, scope, and um, they sample the gastric content to see and visualize to see whether you have H. pylori or uh, precancerous cells. So, so in Asia, they're very aggressive, and uh, the treatment is very aggressive. In the West, unfortunately, the stomach such a big organ. By the time you get symptoms of gastric cancer, is usually in third or fourth stage. So, we are not, we don't have a protocol. But however, I treat my individual patient based on their ethnic origin, and and I educate them that you know, if you have a Asian background, your first generation or uh, or second generation, then I think you should use those protocols and to uh, prevent uh, stomach cancer. So I'll comment a little bit about the how we uh, diagnose and stage this uh, condition. And as Abbas said, a lot of times this uh, disease is di- diagnosed when someone comes in with, they may have upper abdominal pain, unexplained weight loss. Usually it's in the stages two to three or even four, which four, which being advanced or metastatic disease, unfortunately, when when we see gastric cancer, uh, sometimes it's picked up, uh, someone's having endoscopy and it's found, uh, whether or not it's, it may not actually be causing symptoms. Sometimes we'll find it, um, rare, rarely you'll find it on a CAT scan. Uh, you might see a mass in the stomach, but not, not very yeah, commonly. CAT scan is not very sensitive. And the, the earliest, I mean, the symptoms... Uh, early symptoms pretty much can mimic, you know, um, any dyspepsia, peptic ulcer disease, reflux. Uh, uh, so the early stages that, uh, but if it persists, I think it's very important that uh, uh, the individual talk to the doctor and do the physical exam as well as do early preliminary results, whether, you know, um, screening for H. pylori or the treatment or um, then if it's persistent and endoscopy and tissue diagnosis. Uh, it is preventable if you if you can seek um, early uh, uh, what's that uh, detection and and be cured in early stages. So so, but unfortunately, this is in in the West. We, stomach cancer screening is not um, a protocol that unfortunately has been developed because of such a low um, incident. Uh, and so so we we if once we diagnose him is in a later stage. But is we we the, the individual should. Be, if they're having persistent symptoms, have to exclude that. And the imaging study, like CAT scan, they're not as sensitive for early stages as uh, as the, they do the endoscopy. But the H. pylori can be easy uh, screened through the stool, and, and as well as uh, if you uh, and, and even screen for the serology initially um, is very specific, uh, but uh, the sensitivity is not as good. But this, it can be 
a part of the routine screening to be done. So when we um, when I when I see a patient with gastric cancer, the first thing we do is stage the cancer, and this is the T, N, and M stage. And we talked about this for for esophageal cancer, the T being the tumor, N being lymph nodes, and M whether or not there's metastatic disease, which means that disease has spread. So the most important thing for, to remember for gastric cancer is the staging is based on the depth of the cancer invading or um, growing into the wall of the stomach. And it's very important when you think about all the, all the gastrointestinal cancers, we're actually talking about from the inside of the organ outward. And so that's it's all the cancers start on the inside. Um, so inside the mostly start from the lining of something in the, in the glands. And so the uh, if the cancer is really what we call early stage, uh, we call T1 tumor. Sometimes it can be removed endoscopically, um, endoscopic mucosal resection, where the the doctor can remove a section of the uh, the the inner lining of the stomach with um, with a special tool to remove that area of the, of the cancer. And that's the very common method in Japan and in Asia has become past several years in maybe past five, five, six years in the United States. But when you go over there and you see how aggressive um, by um, not only doing the endoscopy as well as called chromotherapy, which is the, the uh, uh, as well with different uh, wavelengths of the light to, to catch the early stages. of. And once they do that, they do the endoscopic ultrasound, which is which is an endoscopy with uh, addition of ultrasound to see the depth uh, of the cancer, as uh, uh, Rob mentioned. And if they catch it there, yes, the mucosal resection with follow-up is uh, the, the treatment of the choice in the early stages. And I understand why they're, they're so aggressive, because once the cancer becomes what we call T2, once in that, what's, when it goes into what's called the muscularis propria, which is the muscle layer, smooth muscle layer of the stomach. That's when generally when an oncologist like me gets involved and we start talking about doing um, surgery, surgery, which is um, oftentimes what we'll do is preoperative chemotherapy where we give chemotherapy prior to surgery. There's some quite good evidence that giving chemo prior to surgery is actually really, it has a survival benefit for this disease. So oftentimes we'll administer chemotherapy before uh, surgery. If the cancer is spread to lymph nodes, we almost certainly will do chemotherapy before surgery. Uh, so there are situations, of course, if the cancer is bleeding or there's some urgent need to remove uh, a part or all the stomach, that can be um, that can be done where the patient would have surgery first, but usually, usually we'll try to do chemotherapy first and then do surgery afterwards. Um, Survival after a diagnosis of gastric cancer is directly related to the stage. So the goal is to try to diagnose it early or ideally prevent it. I, I wanted to ask uh, Abbas how he uh, aims to make a, a diagnosis early in his patients and uh, what, what you do when you, when you find this condition. Right. I think uh, we always have to listen to our body. Our body doesn't lie. You just need to listen to your symptoms, how you're feeling. So if you have persistent symptoms, as you know, as we mentioned before, um, like abdominal pain, something called early satiety, when you eat food, um, that uh, your stomach gets full and uh, weight loss, um, persistent um, acid reflux uh, that uh, uh, does not respond to lifestyle modification, 
um, then then you should talk to your doctor and uh, to consider further uh, evaluation. Commonly, we do a physical exam and get a good history, and uh, to make sure the the common uh, you know reflux or, or you know stress management and all of that. But if it persists, then you need to have you know, further uh, examination. The common examination is endoscopy, which is uh, a laryngoscope, which is very comfortable, and there's uh, sedation most of the times in U.S. In, I've done many of them in Asia without no sedation. Patients tolerate very well. It takes about 10 to 15 minutes max to do the examination of not only esophagus, the lining of the stomach and upper part of the intestine called duodenum. And commonly, we biopsy the stomach for um, H. pylori as well as um, inflammation with the chronic or acute. And we send the tissue to the pathologist. And the pathologist um, will look at the the, the depth of the biopsy that we take, we commonly, as uh, Robert mentioned, we look in the, the lining of the stomach called mucosa. We look whether there is any uh, bacteria, and if it is, of course, we, we treat that. Then we look whether there is a precancerous um, cells, uh, uh, which is called intestinal metaplasia, and that has different type of uh, um, category. Um, then, then, of course, for, for cells, uh, if they have any um, cancer and then this is you can do through the endoscopy and endoscopic ultrasound for depth if, if you have stomach cancer and then uh, with the newer uh, uh, immune studies and staining then we can uh, Rob can talk about more uh, that helps with the uh, treatment as well as uh, um, as uh, then go further to CT scan PET scan to to, to do a final uh, cancer staging and then uh, to see what type of treatment we can uh, offer to the patient. So yes, we're increasingly personalizing the treatment of, of gastric and other cancers. And one of the main markers that we look at, mainly for advanced or stage four disease, is something called HER2. And HER2 is a, uh, a protein, which is what's called amplified. It's a growth protein. And it makes the the cancer. It's like a big. Think of it like a big on-off switch, or in this case, a big on switch for the cancer to grow very quickly. And there happens to be a medication called Herceptin, which or, or otherwise known as Trastuzumab, which can use, is used to treat this condition. And uh, it's her her two positive gastric cancer is about it's about twenty percent of all cases in the United States. And it, uh, the medicine definitely is helpful in conjunction with chemotherapy uh, and. That's mainly in advanced uh, cases when we use uh, when we test for her two and then use Herceptin. But um, there are um, there when we are treating with earlier disease, we'll often use chemotherapy, as I mentioned up front, and then surgery afterwards. Great. I think we should go to as anything else to lifestyle. I think the consequence of many of the. Um, stomach ulceration, inflammation, reflux, and of course, esophageal stomach cancer always come how you live uh, your life. So, um, the, in uh, United States, um, some of the associated factor is uh, uh, chronic smoking, uh, uh, as well as uh, chronic regular alcohol use. Um, then, uh, um, this associated with uh, other type of uh, dietary intake such as salty food um, or smoked food uh, has been attributed to this. Yeah, this was a big deal back in the 
early 1900s when there were a lot of nitrites and nitrates in food and it's probably one of the reasons why there was such a, a high incidence in the in uh, in the u.s of gastric cancer and we still use those in our food but it's much much lower than it was in the past and i think uh, also have to do with uh, um, the type of the work we do um, the old time they used to see in cold mining or people working with asbestosis um, as well as uh, other mining as well as uh, uh, depending on the industry they were uh, seen more and still you see it in Asia and other places so so how you what you're eating as well as you know, the lifestyle is uh, is is very important some of the if somebody has a family history of stomach cancer that is um, more over there so if you have any just by itself you have no symptom you have family stomach cancer I think you should be screened for stomach cancer and uh, finding the uh, the um, H. pylori or any precursor or, or biopsy to make sure you don't have any um, precancerous cells in the stomach lining. And that's also another way to prevent uh, stomach cancer. So we don't want to miss the, the big ones here, the big um, the big things that can be uh, prevented to, how to, re- to try to reduce this disease. So there is strong evidence that obesity, and as obesity increases, the risk of gastric cancer will increase um, alcohol and smoking are also important. Are important fatty um, meals, yeah, and fatty meals. Abbas, do you think the for the smoking? Do you think it's the 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 actual the smoke that's partly inhaled and goes into the esophagus, or or products from the tobacco directly into the stomach, or do you think it's more of a systemic issue that causes the risk of gastric I cancer? I think I think both. I think once you you have a puff of smoke, whether from any any nicotine, as it gets. Um, some, of course, it goes in the stomach. And when it goes to the stomach, um, if you have any inflammation, I think it delays the repair of that. And we see that with the uh, smokers that, for example, if they have a common stomach ulcer or, or gastroesophageal uh, reflux and ulcer, the healing process takes much, much longer to do because as the repair cells come to the surface, they get killed and they delay that. That's, that's by itself and cause a chronic but at the same time uh, with the chronic smoking as absorbs through the uh, the vascular system it circulates through all the, the system and the 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 in the microcirculation causes inflammation and and that's by itself that can not only cause stomach cancer and causes you know many other type of cancer whether it's bladder or or, or kidney or Process with many other things, so so I think both the direct um, and circulatory effect of that, and also with lifestyle. If you look at smoking, it's not by itself smoking, but most smokers they don't eat breakfast, they eat mostly soda, and they eat late at night. So those is, is a combination of the lifestyle that uh, that uh, can cause um, the the increases of the cancer, not only in the stomach as well as other parts of the body. So I was recently very privileged to uh, receive a gift of oranges from from a boss who grows oranges on his farm. And one of the things I came across was that vitamin C is maybe protective against gastric cancer. So probably by um, neutralizing some of those nitrites, nitrites and nitrates and what we call nitrosamines, that are very damaging and inflammatory to the tissues. So vitamin C. So next time you eat the orange, you can pro- uh, you are protecting yourself. And, and all the vegetable and fruits. I think uh, the incident is definitely 
um, lower to people that they uh, consume, uh, you know, adequate uh, fiber as well as uh, as, uh, as uh, fruits uh, compared to the uh, animal product, and particularly fatty meals. Uh, I think fatty meals and also not only itself, but it's, um, whether it's smoked, whether they, and also it delays gastric emptying. So the consequence the contact of the food with the lining is prolonged. I think that's maybe. Uh, of course, we need much more research on that, but it's the lifestyle. I think is. Uh, you know, if you get the fatty meals and you smoke and have a, even regular alcohol and not adequate, uh, you know, fiber, particularly the the, the vitamin C um, and other things that uh, then can cause the precursor. And one of the, the studies actually was come across how to prevent the um, intestinal metaplasia in the stomach. One of the the treatment they tried the. the the vitamin C and and that's what with the orange and the other thing that maybe that's uh, uh, was a um, somewhat helpful to do that but we need more more conclusive studies to to see if it was a really works or not and for vitamin C remember it's not just oranges the orange marketing folks have done a good job to yeah. uh, show that oranges have a fair amount of vitamin C but there's a ton of other fruits and vegetables that right. have vitamin C right broccoli has right. vitamin C yeah. many many fruits yeah. have vitamin, vitamin C exactly yeah so, so not just oranges. No, just everything. Oh, many, many. As like, I think it's healthy diet and uh, fruit and vegetable in general that pr- promote uh, um, motility and transit through the intestine and 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 causes a, the the filaments that the fruit and vegetables they do to the the line and improve the barrier mechanism. So I think that's not only for stomach, small intestine, and colon is always helpful. Do you recommend your patients take aspirin, uh, such as a baby aspirin, for prevention of gastric cancer or colon cancer? This is a um, difficult um, topic to talk. So if they're very high risk, maybe in some study beneficial, but however, all of this thing cause increased GI bleed. So so, um, so if you happen to take aspirin and, and had an aches and pains, take non-steroidal, and if they had H. pylori, then that will increase the stomach uh, bleeding and GI tract. So, so I think uh, they have done many studies in colon polyps as well as other things to to use whether uh, the aspirin or any uh, um, anti-inflammatory. Um, it, it shows, but at the same time, it increases um, the intestinal bleeding. So, so I do not commonly recommend. That. I think improvement of the other lifestyle is much much better. And um, you know, quit smoking, drinking less alcohol, not eating late at night, doing fatty meals, and um, and those I think are much much more helpful than anything else. Also, we need to look at people with other uh, um, you know uh, genetic uh, markers such as Lynch syndrome or uh, Pussyager or uh, um, polyposis syndrome. I think all of those things. Uh, if they have such a family, they should discuss with their doctor whether they're at increased risk of uh, um, stomach cancer. But definitely those people from um, um, Asia or people that have stomach, you know, family history of stomach cancer, at least is there one one uh, uh, endoscopy or one preventive uh, study to be done. So so to, so if if they just find something early, they can uh, be. Uh, be, you know, follow up closely because I said the stomach cancer by itself it has no symptoms, just like colon cancer. By the time you get the lining, stomach is such a uh, big lumen. By the time cancer grows and whether it causes blockage or whether it causes hemorrhage or whether it prevents you from getting full, 
uh, usually you are pretty much uh, um, near the, um, the the stage three or four, I think. I totally agree about your comments with the aspirin. I, I received this question quite a bit, and there's there's a fair amount of evidence for aspirin as a, as an anti-inflammatory. However, there is also a tiny, it's very small, but there's a tiny risk of brain bleeding with aspirin as well. It's, it's very, it's, it's small, but yet it's such a severe complication that I, I find that the anti-inflammatory diet that we've been talking about and you can and I refer the listeners back to the, the the previous episode where we talked about the Mediterranean diet and other and other healthy diets. Just such a better way without really any any risk at all to reduce one's inflammation and probably and reduce a lot of the risk of these cancers. Definitely, I think it's just all is come to the lifestyle, and I think these are not you know one meal, one you know smoked food doesn't get you sick, one. A big meal doesn't. This is the chronic um, use of the same thing over and over and over. So, so, so yeah. If you smoke your food frequently, or with that of course comes alcohol, then you smoke cigarettes. So this pro- prolonged um, repetitive um, damage um, that that can cause some kind. With H. pylori, the same thing. This is a, it's not you, you. You once you get H. pylori, you're gonna get stomach cancer. It's a untreated and repeated infection. Or there, we have uh, certain people with uh, H. pylori that uh, they are resistant to treatment and that uh, can cause uh, uh, these precursors, uh, as well as other uh, um, autoimmune diseases like you know, pernicious anemia, which is the lining of the stomach, uh, can be um, a sort of attacked by uh, inflammation from the body. So those are the stuff also can cause the precursors to stomach cancer as well. So if you have any family that, or you have a history of pernicious anemia, then I think you need to be, um, go under surveillance um, uh, examination to prevent. And if you do have these early stages, so you can be um, treated uh, uh, much more effectively. Thanks everyone for listening. If you have a moment, uh, we'd really appreciate if you could leave a review on uh, Apple or Spotify. That'd be great. Helps us, helps other other listeners find us in the search algorithms. And uh, please feel free to share this with your family and friends. We really want to create a, a forum and uh, an active discussion about lifestyle medicine. Thanks again. And, and also, we'd like to hear if you have any comments as well as um, if they want to have a, hear about any special topics that they're interested that we have not covered. We'd be glad to research it and uh, and have it in our future podcast. I think our next podcast is going to be about. Uh, pancreatic cancer um, and uh, and uh, uh, you, I hope you have a good day and uh, we'll talk to you uh, on the podcast next time. Thanks everybody.